Welcome to Two Guys in the Bible. Uh, my name is Eric Leupold, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother in the Lord, Dylan Keniston, via Zoom, via virtual uh, meeting here. Uh, Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, brother. I, I got to be honest. There, it, you know, I know that there's a lot of people struggling out there in you know this coronavirus quarantine world, and you know, praise the Lord, it sounds like we're making moves, and the, the government is, uh, and President Trump are making moves to begin re- reopening things up. Uh, that's that's encouraging to hear. Um, but I will say, you know, a silver lining in all this has been, I have loved working from home. And it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. You know what I mean? But like, praise the Lord, I, I just am in one of those really fortunate positions to be able to work uh, in, in a workplace where, you know, we pivoted to working remotely for all employees pretty quickly. And, you know, just like in the middle of the day, you know, Brielle, our, our little two-year-old daughter, she'll come up and give me a hug or like, you know, it's it, it's great, man. Like I, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. I, I love it. And you're still, you know, obviously able to be productive. You got baby in one hand and computer in the other, and you're just you're just hammering away. You know, it's it's been awesome. But then you can take like walks in the middle of the day. I don't know. I, it's there's it's been a silver lining. It, you know, here's here's the the, the flip side of that though. Mm-hmm. Um, I ventured out to the grocery store for the first time in oh. like maybe a month month and a half. Gosh, this was like two two days ago. And uh, <laughs> I, I kid you not, dude, I had face mask because so my mother-in-law was a nurse, right? So she had mm-hmm. some uh, face masks, but they were not like from all the ones they've, make, they've made recently. They oh, were like sure. some she had handy in the house. So she gave Emily and I some face masks. So I had a face mask on and um, I had uh, gloves. I had some latex gloves that I had mm-hmm. purchased from like a month or two back. And then I had, I had glasses. They were like the workman's glasses where like they cover the sides of your eyes, not just like the front. Cause I guess. So I look like a bandit. Exactly. I'm like, I'm like man, I, I love y'all. I'm not trying to get anybody sick. And I don't think I'm sick, but it's like, you know, I just, you know, kind of default assumption that you are so that you protect people. You might be asymptomatic. <laughs> you just never know. So I was kind of like doing that, but, um, but yeah, but I mean, Hey, praise the Lord. I am, you know, day two, I think, you know, you can be asymptomatic with this kind of things for, you know, from what I understand, you know, up to like 14 days. So now the clock is ticking because now I'm like, okay, you know, 12 days from now I'm in the clear and I know that I didn't catch anything from when I went grocery shopping, but, um, I try, I, I trust everything's fine. Um, so that was, it was a bit of an adventure though. I will say that it's been an adventure, but otherwise it's been, um, it, it's it's been a blessing, and I know that's not everybody's uh, story or situation. A lot of people are on a lot of hard times, whether they're out of work or no, or ha- themselves, or have loved ones who are very very ill. So certainly um, want to be praying for those individuals. But um, yeah, for us, we're we're doing well. Yeah, no, that's good to hear, man. I'm glad, and maybe you know this is our this is our second episode uh, via uh, virtual <laughs> virtual meeting. <clears throat> maybe uh, maybe we'll be you know, getting one or two more in before, uh, you know, it'd be great to have you back in person again, where we can, you know, actually interview people in real life and <laughs> see each other <laughs> in real life. Yeah, uh, man. <clears throat> well, yeah, it's been a blessing too. And in, in, in many ways, I mean, I know some people are <clears throat> really struggling, you know, I've heard, I've heard stories about, you know, uh, 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 moms and dads, uh, husband and wife have to are both are both are working from home, but the kids are home too. So then it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to to you know for them to take phone calls or to go on meetings, and the kids you know might not be doing school and and if both parents are trying to get stuff done from home, how is that even possible? <clears throat> um, for us though, 
uh, I can't really, I can't, I can't do that much work from home. I mean, uh, just, mm. just, you know, the, the, the military work, but, uh, I'll be, I'll be going into work tomorrow, uh, to get some stuff done. But, uh, the one thing I really, um, try to take, you know, the most advantage of is just the time with the kids. Um, mm. and that, you know, that involves thinking about like, how do I, you know, uh, father them well, how do I lead them well? How do I, how do I train them? So we've been trying to do a little bit of Bible reading and prayer in the morning, breakfast time, and then, um, a family worship at night and, uh, uh, been able to get a lot of reading done right now. We are uh, reading one chapter a day. Um, right now we're reading the first Harry Potter book <laughs> out loud. So I read that to them. Um, it was a gift that was given uh, to Aubrey for her birthday. So um, I, I wanted to read it out loud to them. Just the first book. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty innocent. Um, but I that got, would not have been like 10 or 15 years ago, man. That was a hot topic. In Christian oh yeah. Circles. Harry <laughs> yeah. Potter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we do talk about it. I mean, I, I always talk about every book that, that we read. Yeah. And in fact, uh, recently, uh, Aubrey, I got her Lord of the Flies. So she mm. read that book. Uh, that, that, that's a good discussion uh, point there. And then I just got The Hobbit. So we're going mm. to read that book next. And I might actually try to get The Lord of the Rings. And my goal would be <laughs> maybe by the uh, end of this quarantine, uh, I can finish all the Lord of the Rings books with my kids. That's awesome, bro. I, I love that. I just like kudos and, and praise the Lord, man. That uh, that I just think it's such a good practice to like talk through things that we read with our kids. And I just I'm super excited to be able to do that with Brielle. She's 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 uh, two, right? So you know we read her little books of you know that are rhyming stories from like Veggie Tales and stuff like that. And she and we got like the Fruit of the Spirit and stuff like it. it just kind of little these little these little rhyming books, but they're super cute. And she will like try to quote unquote read them right so she'll open the book and she'll just like baby babble but she'll do it mimicking the tones that emily and i use when we read the book to her it's adorable it's adorable but yeah like you know once they're old enough to be able to sit down and have a conversation with them about what you're reading together brother that's just such an excellent practice that you're Mm -hmm. that you're making there and um yeah highly encouraged by that and would encourage our listeners to do the same i'm stoked to be able to do that with brielle yeah yeah i mean reading is is so powerful and in fact <clears throat> i've been trying to <clears throat> read myself get a, get a lot of books in um and this is what led us to and for those of you listening uh and think that we're rambling we're not quite rambling uh we're getting maybe to, a little uh, maybe a little <laughs> bit but uh it does tie into um the concept of leadership you know talking about being a father being at home, raising the kids, setting an example, making disciples, right? Um, and a book that you have read, and then you recommended to me, and I read it, and I just finished it recently, is a book called Extreme Ownership, um, How U.S. Navy Seals Lead and Win by Jocko Willink and uh, Leif Babin. And I got to say, um, I really am thankful that you recommended this book to me, brother. Um, uh, and it's, it was just such a, a very interesting and, 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 and just a really – a book filled with common grace, um, to borrow a phrase that, that you used uh, when you described it to me. Because, I mean, from what I understand, I don't know for sure. It doesn't, it's not really uh, described explicitly, but these guys don't explicitly say that they're Christian or that they're, you know, they don't quote from scripture. They don't reference, you know, Jesus Christ or any of the uh, leaders in the Bible, but they talk about leadership and the principles that they 
that they describe, I was like, yes, that is, that's biblical. Like that is exactly what God designed leadership to be. So I figured since we both really got a lot out of this book that we would chat a little bit about leadership in this podcast and, you know, maybe just, you know, uh, see, see kind of where it goes. Um, the, I just kind of want to open it up and, and uh, by, you know, highlighting that the, the big question is, what does it mean to be a leader? And I'm sure that um, those of you listening, there's tons of books on leadership out there. I've, I've read a whole bunch. Dylan, I'm sure you've read tons, you know, spiritual leadership, how to be this, that, servant leadership, sacrificial leadership, whatever the case may be. Um, and generally speaking, I mean, I think we can all kind of highlight some typical qualities that, that leaders have, you know, they're, they're likable, they're charismatic, um, they're decisive, uh, sometimes they're risk takers, uh, they're very capable, they have skills, they know what they're doing, uh, they're very intuitive, they, they, they seem to know when to say something and what to say and how to say it right at the right time, and they um, are visionaries, you know, they got this mission, vision, and they are really able to persuade people to join them in that mission. Um, so, and, and that's just commonly seen traits of leadership, but, but these guys in this book, uh, really highlight some things that aren't typically, I guess, aren't typically thought about, uh, uh with regards to leadership. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Have, uh, what did you think stood out to you about this leadership book versus every other leadership book you may have read? So here's here's one of the reasons this one kind of hit home for me a little bit, right? So I I think I mentioned offline, you know, I as and as you know, brother, I work kind of in you know the private sector, kind of corporate America. Um, it's it's not a it's not a great representation of kind of where I work, but it's uh, it it kind of is what it is, right? And you know, one of the things, by the way, you know, before this, I was a teacher, and you know, I had spent some time in seminary training for the ministry. So, um, all that to say, you know, the the job that I have now and have had for the last uh, going on four years um, has been kind of my first job in in quote unquote corporate America. All right. So, uh, early on in where I work, um, it was a very small company. Right. And so in a very small company, you end up wearing a lot of hats and you end up owning a lot of things because <laughs> nobody else is going to do it. Right. And so if something goes wrong, it's on you. It's your fault. And if you don't know how to do it, you're going to learn how to swim by being dunked. You better go figure it out. Like I was like, I, you know, um, I'm not going to share too many details, but like I was brought on to accomplish a certain task. And I was like, this is way over my head. I have never done anything like this before. You know what I mean? Um, I just had no idea what the heck to do with that. And you just kind of, I hate to say like fake it till you make it, but you just kind of like lean into it and like get it done. You kind of figure it out as you go and you fail and you mess up and you fail and you mess up and you fail again and again and again. And you just feel like, I got like lovingly chewed out so many times by my boss and like, you know, praise the Lord, praise the Lord for the, for the boss that I had. Like he's harsh, but like he really cares. You know what I mean? Um, and he's just, the dude's just a brilliant, brilliant man. He's just mm -hmm. a brain. So was, I'm like, yes, like more of this, more of this. So he poured that into all of us as employees early on in, um, you know, in the company's life. 
And so what ended up happening was, you know, and, and this is the case with like every company, I feel like, and I, I, here I, I speak with all the experience of having worked at one, but, you know, I hear that this is a common issue is like, you know, when you're in that in-between stage where you're, you're not quite a small company anymore, but you're not a really big company either where roles are super clearly defined, there's like this mushy middle where a company goes through a maturation period where it's hard and there's a lot of things in flux and a little bit of uncertainty. And it's trying to, you know, it's kind of like the teenage years equivalent for a company. It's trying to find its way. It's trying to find itself. And, you know, one of the things that was in the mix with that was, you know, this shift in mindset for a lot of folks who um, had a different mindset, right? And the mindset was more, um, I own X and only X, right? So I, I'm not concerned with this other department. I'm not concerned with this other, you know, I own this right here. And that's really, that's all I care about. That's all I'm measured on. That's all that, you know, I, that's, that's my jam, right? Um, and I'll be honest, like that was hard for me. That, that's just a hard mindset for me to get in because my mindset is probably still a little bit, you know, uh, you know, maybe to, uh, to my own to my own fault, right? It's still a little bit stuck in that kind of startup mode where I'm like, just go own it, go figure it out. Okay, you don't know how this works, go figure it out. You don't know what to do with A, B, or C, go figure it out. Hey, you've never used this software tool before, go learn it. There's free videos online, or you just get in there and start poking around with it. Go, you know what I mean? So that's kind of like the mentality. So that's why when I read this book, <laughs> all this is circling around this book, right? Is like extreme ownership, you know, his, so Jocko Willink, the author and, um, and his co-author, I think Lee Babin. Babin, yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically like the main thesis is like, what does it mean to be a leader, right? If something goes wrong, it's your fault. <laughs> I, and you just got to own it. You know what I mean? Like you just, cause it's, it's on you. So like for me in the example that I just gave where I was just like, you know, still in that mentality of like, I, I just go own it, just go figure it out. You know, for me, one of the things that was kind of an area of growth for, for myself was just delegation, right? Figuring out how to delegate because that's part of leadership too, is being able to delegate effectively. And, and, you know, the authors do, do talk about that, but then even once you delegate, right. And this is where it kind of, this is where the rub comes in. Cause this is where inside of us, we start to object. It's like, okay, so if something goes, like I delegated it to this person and something went wrong, it failed and, and they failed at it. Well, no, actually you as the leader failed at it. You as mm -hmm. the leader are responsible, right? Either you didn't train them well enough, you didn't have a contingency plan for them. They, like if they didn't understand, you didn't make sure that they understood before you let them take on this task. At the end of the day, it's on you. There's no one else to blame, like the, a, a leader is going to own the re, the results of that um, of of that outcome. So, you know, and and that's that's difficult to. For, for, there's something inside of us, right? There's this ego inside of us that kind of wants to push against that. Say, it's not really my fault. It's not yes. like it's just passing the blame, passing the buck. There's something inside of us that's just, and we would call that from a Christian perspective. Kind of just, there's this sin nature inside of us that, that I, everything I do is right and good. And to the extent that there's something wrong, it's something wrong with the world. It's something mm -hmm. wrong with, you know, outside of myself. It's something wrong with my team. It's something wrong, you know, this person really, you know, did me over. You know, this person mm -hmm. really, you know, it's all their fault, their fault, their fault. 
versus yeah. just saying, okay, what of this was in my locus of control that I can say, look, and, and actually a lot of times it's more than we think, right? In, that, mm-hmm. that we can say, um, you know, I, where did I fail? I failed at something in this and where can I improve? And kind of starting there and have that being the foundation. <laughs> and bro, that's what I said. Like, I, I think it's, there's such a common grace element to that where it's like, you know, they just bring that, that sense of knowing that we have this self-centered, you know, this idolatry of self that like we're gods in our own universe that we could just do no wrong. And that, and that is precisely what Mm -hmm. is the problem. And I think that they shed some great light on that in some really concrete and tense examples of military experience on the battlefield. And that was one of the reasons I recommended it to you. I was like, man, these guys have military background. This is going to be a perfect (laughs) fit for, for Eric. Uh, And it's just, yeah, leadership lessons. No, like you said, I, it was really um, uh, an awesome read. Um, page page thirty, I, I underlined so much uh, throughout the book. But uh, to kind of summarize what you just said there, I mean, uh, they they say this quote: "The leader must own everything in his or her world. There is no one else to blame. The leader must acknowledge mistakes and admit failures, take ownership of them, and develop a plan to win." Um, and at first, it you know it, it's hard. It's, 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 even, it's funny because like our first instinct when things go wrong is not to take responsibility, but to find the excuse somewhere else. Kind of like, you know, Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Like Adam's like, well, the woman that you gave me, God, she did it, you know? And then the way, and the woman's like, hey, the serpent did it, you know? And they always pointing the fingers and they're not taking responsibility. But even when you think about that, that idea of taking ownership, it, it does great against that ego, you know, because, because even when I was reading this book, I was trying to find in my, in my, my sinful flesh was trying to find ways to prove them wrong. Does that make sense? Like I was trying to find, yeah, yeah, I was like, I was yeah. like no, 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 wait, but what about this? What about this? What about this? But then as I came to see their logic, I realized that wasn't the case. So one, one example that comes to mind that I, that I tried to, you know, to try to, aha, like, I gotcha. It's like, I was like, are you saying that, that if one person makes a mistake, you have to resign your position and like turn in your wings and quit because it's your fault. So you have to be punished. And that's not really what they say. I mean, it could get to that point, but they say, here's what they do. Here's how they say it, right? Literally, um, uh, quote, um, when subordinates aren't doing what they should, Leaders that exercise extreme ownership cannot blame the subordinates. They must first look in the mirror at themselves. The leader bears full responsibility for explaining the mission, developing the tactics, and securing the training and resources to enable the team to properly execute. He continues, if an individual on the team is not performing at the level required for the team to succeed, the leader must train and mentor that underperformer. But if the underperformer continually fails to meet standards, then a leader who exercises extreme ownership must be loyal to the team and the mission above an individual and must make the tough call to terminate them and hire others to get the job done. It's all on the leader. So that helped me understand, like my first, my first reaction was, so you're just saying that the people in charge should always get fired and should always just resign, kind of like what we always see um, in the in the political realm, like if 
if one person makes a mistake that's in Trump's cabinet, let's say President Trump's cabinet, they'll be like, you need to resign. That person, you know, that person made that mistake or, or whatever the case may be. But, but actually, it's not quite that. The extreme ownership is, um, as the leader, okay, there's a problem going on in my, uh, under my, uh, my, under my uh, domain and my authority. Um, I'm going to do what I can to resolve that issue, to make it right, to teach, train, equip. Uh, the people, and if I have to get new people, I will. You know, so I, I just found that to be extremely um, uh, powerful. Like, like at the end of the day, your job is to make is to get the team and, and the mission uh, to win, and yes. you need to take responsibility to take whatever steps required to make that happen. And you just can't blame anything else. You know, right. And it, and it really does come down to, and this is like so the first section of the book is called, you know, winning the war, winning the war within. And I, I just think this was, this was really good because like he talks about in one of the chapters on, you, you have to, he talks about how you have to really believe in the mission and that the mission and the team are more important than the individual. So um, and he gives a whole bunch of like he fleshes out these l leadership lessons mm -hmm. in um, you know both in their military experience, but then also in how it applies in kind of a corporate setting. Um, so you know, like I'll I'll share an example uh, personally. Um, you know, I I have been I have been on uh, projects where it you know just at my job where uh, trying to think how to say this, but like. I've been on projects where um, at the end of the day, I probably did not get as much recognition as other individuals got mm -hmm. for completing a project, even if I had done comparatively either mm -hmm. as much or more work. All right. So, and now at the end of the day, does that sting a little? Sure. It stings a little, right? Does it matter? No, because we won. The project got done and it, we crushed it. And what matters is much more that the team and the success of the mission are celebrated than that any one individual is celebrated. And so, you know, now, you know, I have conversations with, with colleagues where we talk about these kinds of things. And, you know, it's just, it's not uncommon to come across mm -hmm. a mindset that says, you know, either, hey, that's just, Hey, they're the leader, and so you know it, it's on them. If something goes wrong, I'm not going to worry. It's just it's mm -hmm. not in my wheelhouse. I don't. I'm just doing what I'm told. It's not. There's no ownership, right? Um, or or saying, hey, I'm not. I'm not really going to keep on keeping on this project, or I'm not going to keep on crushing it, or whatever, unless I get you know more money, or unless I get more kudos, or unless I get more whatever. Um, and what's underneath that, right, is this belief that says. I am more important than the team or I am more important than the mission. And, you know, you really have to believe that the mission is what's more important. And I think, you know, I would, I mean, just think about the tremendous application that that has uh, to the Christian walk, right? Mm -hmm. Like in, in my life, right? Like I, I'll just speak for myself. Like, the model that like what Christ bids us do is come and die mm -hmm. is come and die to self. Right. So like my calling as a leader in, in my home is, is not to 
be served, but to serve and to lay down my life for my family. And that's, by the way, and you know, as, as you know, like, that's the call of every Christian husband, mm-hmm. right? Um, is is to do that same thing, and to truly believe that the the team, in that case, the family, uh, is is more important than the individual. And you know, the same is true when you talk, think about missions, right? And you think about mm-hmm. people going into incredibly dangerous mission fields, truly believing that the mission is more important mm-hmm. than their safety. And what does Christ say, right? He's no fool who, uh, you know, you're, he's, uh, the way I'm thinking of it is he's no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's not exactly how Christ said it. Christ is like, you know, if you, you're going to, you're going to try to keep your life, you're going to lose it, right? But be willing to lose your life, you're going to keep it, right? It's truly believing that. Mm -hmm. It's truly believing that. And Mm -hmm. that's, so that's kind of how he Mm -hmm. sets the groundwork for how he talks about Mm -hmm leadership and it's just it's yeah it like i said there's a lot of overlap with with biblical principle i think I, there I, I would love to <laughs> if i ever had a chance to meet with these guys there are so many things i'd love to say from the bible i'm like huh that whole idea of taking ownership of whatever's in your domain sounds like biblical dominion it sounds yeah, exactly. like it sounds like yeah. you know take dominion of the like cultural mandate <laughs> Sounds like the creational mandate. It's like Adam and Eve are in the garden, and and God says, "Okay, name the animals. Okay, um, you're gonna you're gonna take dominion of the birds, of the fish, and of the uh, creatures in the land. Okay, you're gonna, you're, yeah, you're gonna tend the garden, and you're gonna keep yep. it. And yep. by the way, you're supposed to fight in a way, fight the serpent. You're supposed to protect, keep, tend the guard, the garden, um, and of course, your wife uh, Eve." Um, and, and of course he doesn't do that. And Adam ends up finger pointing and, and, and blaming. And so I was, as I was thinking about that, um, I was also thinking about, well, if this, if this is true, how does it, like, how does it connect to Christ? Like, like I, I've always viewed Christ. I mean, he's the perfect man. He's the perfect human being. So I think he's the perfect leader. I think by default, mm-hmm. he is the yes. definition of leadership, right? So, yes. so I always try, when I read a book on leadership, I'm like, okay, if it's, if it's not obviously coming from um, direct scriptural quotations, if it's a non-Christian book on leadership, I always try to say, like, d- does this line up with what we see of Christ in the Bible? Right. And when, yes. I, when I think of extreme ownership, that's what I think about because – I heard a, a sermon by Doug Wilson, Pastor Doug Wilson, on um, – it's a sermon series on marriage and husbands. Um, but he begins by essentially talking about leadership, and he says that Jesus – Jesus – Jesus um, – what was it? Was it? Oh, uh, he, he, um, he got punished for things he didn't do. He took responsibility for things he didn't do. And I was like, huh. That got me chewing on that phrase for such a long time because it was, it was very profound. And as I was reading this book on extreme ownership, it's the same idea. Like, okay, I'm the, if I'm the leader and my subordinates fail, I take responsibility for things that I might not have done. It's still in my domain. And even though Jesus himself never sinned, he took responsibility he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God through him. So he takes the punishment for us. And 
uh, just like at the beginning of this book, when they talk about um, the leader, uh, the leader acknowledges mistakes. Well, Jesus sees our mistakes and our failures, and he takes ownership of them, and he develops a plan to win. And what's the plan to win? He takes the sin upon himself, and he deals with it. Yep. And I just thought that was so amazing when I tried to think about how Jesus basically took extreme ownership of all of our sin. I mean, yeah. I, I imagine that was going through your mind a little bit too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, and I think, so part of where I would love to have, this is where I'm like, man, it's like, <laughs> uh, the authors here are so close. They're so close because you know, I was like, man, if only you could connect these biblical dots. Um, but and they're, they're connecting so many, you know what I mean? But where I, where I wish there had been kind of more of a, more of a, um, well, I'll put it this way, where there's opportunity for a Christian to contribute and to build on some of this work and, and continue to shine light on these principles from a biblical perspective, you know, some things from, I don't know, even from a systematic theology perspective, I would love to see, you know, what does it mean that like God owns everything, mm. right? So there's, there's mystery here in divine providence that yeah. God owns everything, and yet human beings are morally culpable, morally responsible, and mm. still are accountable to lead. And so there is that angle that I, that I would love to see kind of explored in, in further, mm-hmm. in further research. You know, obviously that's common, uh, that's common fodder for writing and conversation in Christian theological circles, um, mm-hmm. to make that kind of broadly accessible and kind of a popular style writing, which, you know, I guess I would put this in that camp, this book, um, extreme ownership in, in that camp or close to it, uh, I think would, I think could also be, could also be really powerful. You know, and the other thing too, is like, where, where I, you know, I think what insights this book offers are best applied on a horizontal level, you know, on a human to human level. Mm-hmm. I think some of it starts to break down at a vertical level because, you know, the, the one thing that I, that was coming back in my mind as I was reading this, that I, you know, from a Christian perspective might've wanted to push back against a little bit was, well, I, I wouldn't apply all of these principles to God because, when for those like when people go to hell right mm-hmm. that is those individuals it's their fault you know what i mean mm-hmm. like like why i do believe in double predestination and double election and all, mm-hmm. and, and all the rest um but nevertheless god is not morally culpable for the sins and the failures oh, their failures. Of, of, for their failures i mean they're still morally responsible for that like so, so that was one of those areas where I was like, you know, what is it with uh, Joseph and his brothers uh, and his brothers throwing Joseph in the well and he comes back out and he, you know, way back when after his time in Egypt, he comes back to his brothers and he says, hey, brothers, when y'all threw me in the well and left me for dead, you meant that for evil. God meant that for good. So in one and the same action, the brothers motive and intent and action was evil. They're morally culpable for what they did to Joseph. And in the same, at the exact same time, in the exact same action, God's intentions and what God had in that situation was good, mm-hmm. right? And something is similar, like, you know, Pilate, you know, what Pilate did, it's the same kind of thing. It's, it's, that, it's that mystery. So yeah. I think there's room for expansion of these principles from a Christian perspective. Yep. But I, but nevertheless, right? When we take this book for what it is, which is kind of you know common grace leadership principles from kind of 
human interaction kind of daily, uh, you know, going through life, especially going through work. Like this is, you know, I, I found this especially applicable in, in kind of, um, you know, with my job, you know what I mean? Cause I, I'm constantly looking back at these principles, like leading up and down, down the chain of command, you know, that's, that was a huge one for me just because, you know, like now, instead of going to my supervisors and my leaders saying, Hey, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. What I'll do is I'll say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do number one, number two, number three. Uh, like, do you, uh, you know, do you agree? Is this okay before I go execute? So in other words, I'm not going to make them try to figure out everything that I should do because they're strategic thinkers. They're not, yeah. they're not going to be on the battlefield. You know what I mean? They're at the command center. They don't see everything going on in the battlefield. So they need my leadership to lead up the chain of command to go say to them, Hey, here's what we should do. One, two, three. And if they trust me, they'll be like, yeah, go execute. And then I do. And, and, you know, similarly leading down the chain of command, always making sure that any subordinates that you have are always in the loop, always aware of what's going on. And, and that just takes, that takes communication. That takes humility. That takes a lot of those same things that we were talking about earlier. So I guess, you know, one thing, one thought that comes to mind is lots of room to expand on these themes mm-hmm. um, with, with a vertical lens and a, and a kind of biblical theological lens. I think there's a lot of room for that. Um, but I think taken for what it is at kind of that horizontal level, just human to human interaction, especially in corporate America and in the military, tremendous application. And it's, yeah. just, it's a blessing to my own, to my own life. Well, I do think that um, I've, I've been trying to, apply this as well at work. I mean, even today I sent a, I sent an email, my, my boss uh, requested something. And then I was, I sent him an email saying, this is exactly what I'm going to do to accomplish that. Does that meet your intent? And he was like, yes. He's like, and, and, and his reply was like, that a hundred percent meets my intent. And I'm like, yes, yes, that's awesome. Like um, that's how you do it. Right. You don't like, don't try to make your boss figure out what you should do. Just be like, you crush it at your job. So you know what you should do. You go to your boss and be like, I'm going to do boom, boom, boom. Like, do you object before I execute? And yeah. they, they should be simple for them. Right. Because mm-hmm. their job is not to be like, micromanaging you and yeah. like, like if you're on the battlefield they're at the command center you know what i mean like you're the one there who they're not on the field with you so they yeah. don't know like they're yeah. trusting you to give them that intel and that you're going to know the right decision to make i mean that for me was just tremendous like that yeah. right there that one insight changed how i communicated with <laughs> with uh, my supervisors but it's also been helpful in the home too because i mean um I, I want to apply these principles, and again, everything in light of Scripture. Scripture is the final, the final authority, the final rule. Um, yes. And I would, I'm always going to say, okay, what can I use from this that lines up with Scripture, right? So, you know, taking responsibility. This is this is my home. I'm the I'm the head of the household. That means I bear responsibility for all that happens in this household. Okay. Um, and so, and I recognize that like, you know, there's a whole bunch of other sinners in here too, you know, my children and I, you know, if I, if I tell them to do something and they don't do it, um, okay. Instead of just immediately saying, you know, what's wrong with you child, <laughs> I would say something in fact, I would think about, okay, did I communicate my expectations to them clearly? Did I teach them how to do it? Right. Am I going to, am I holding them accountable? And that's like the one thing that this book has also been trying to help me to, to realize is that like, um, cause they do talk about, um, getting, you know, that at the very beginning, he even said, you know, if, a, if, a if a teammate is not, um, is not doing something right. Yeah. You train them, you mentor them, but then there might come a time where discipline is needed. 
Uh, and in the business world, that, that might mean firing, right? I mean, I'm not obviously in the family, I'm not going to fire my children, <laughs> children, <and> say, <laughs> you're out of here, get out of here, but holding them accountable, right? So um, sometimes I might be too quick to just give warnings and to not actually um, communicate that there actually are consequences for disobedience. And I just kind of, you know, well, I'll just let it go. You know, maybe they'll listen to me next time. Um, and so, you know, that's been helpful too. And trying to encourage them to take ownership, you know, um, right now we're in the middle of, we're finishing up potty training my son, right? You know, he's, he, he, he can do everything. Nice. He just needs to wipe himself, his bottom. Mm-hmm. Is, that's where we're at right now. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, son, you need to own this. You need to, <laughs> you need to wipe your bottom. I'm going to show you how it's done. And then you're going to do it yourself. And you come back to me and let me know how you did. You know, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like one of those things. But I mean, at the end of the day, um, or when I see them sinning against each other, or the way they talk, I always, I mean, I think about like, have I modeled poor communication skills? Like, do I, am I an example of being not gentle or impatient, you know, and they're just kind of seeing me do it. And now they're just doing it to their siblings, you know, where, you know, obviously there's always that sin nature in them, but like, I start with myself, you know, where, where's the beginning with, with me. And at the end of the day, um, I can't pay the penalty for their sins. You know, like, mm-hmm. like at the end of the day, Jesus takes extreme ownership. He, he owns our sins and does it. Um, but in some sense, you know, he does command us to bear our cross daily and to follow him, right? So in that regard, like when you pick up your cross and you follow him, you're owning it. You're like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in it. I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm going to actually... Like, actually, I'm going to follow it, you know? <laughs> so, um, did you have any other thoughts, uh, uh, any final thoughts on this, Dylan, before we maybe close it out? I had one more I wanted to bring up. But I want to let you have a chance to chat first. Sure. Well, I mean, like, you know, like I said, the one, the one thing that, you know, I, I would love to see um, explored further, you know, but also, you know, kind of gently, lovingly, just, you know, caution on about this book is like, look, be careful not to apply too much of this to God, just yeah. because nothing is ever God's fault, ever, yes, that's ever. Right. God owns everything. He's, he's never wrong. He never fails. Everything that he does is right and good and true and perfect. And we're not to question that. So like when we mess up, when we sin, we're not to put that on mm-hmm. God. Oh, yeah. As long as that caution is is kind of inserted there is kind of that caveat yeah man this is it's it's a great read and, and like i said i there were so many principles here that um that i benefited from uh mm-hmm. and i know just a tremendous amount of people i mean this book is you know sold a lot of copies i know a lot of you know a lot of colleagues have read it um and you know this book was itself recommended to me by a colleague uh, a couple of guys from seminary that I know have also read it and they, they were talking it up too. So I figured I was like, ah, I got to pick it up. got to pick it up. So I finally yeah. did. Um, and yeah, glad I did worth the time to read. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I wanted to say at the end of the book that was like another, you know, just amazing, I found it to be very, very common grace filled was, um, he talks about, he gives a, a small phrase at the end, uh, towards the end in the last chapter, he says, discipline equals freedom. And I found that I, I was, 
I was thinking about it because he, he was really talking more about um, practical daily living. So he was more talking about like, if you are disciplined to wake up in the morning at your alarm clock, you know, you want to, you want to go work out, you want to, you want to learn more, you want to get smarter, you want to train, then you have to be disciplined. And if you're disciplined, you're, you have self-control, uh, your eating habits, your sleeping habits, your workout habits, you will have more freedom. If you're disciplined with your time, you'll find yourself with more time. You know, this, the, 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 you know, the, the, the doors of opportunity open up for you if you are disciplined. And someone who lacks discipline is basically enslaved. They have no freedom. They're, they're, but even though he wasn't talking, bringing this out, I was, I was pondering for a few minutes about the uh, you know, zoom out, big picture, spiritual um, relationship between discipline and freedom. Like the word discipline is very much tied to the word disciple. Okay. And like, you know, I know that the Bible tells me that true freedom is, is in Christ. Like true freedom for the human being is only found in being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Like in that regard, I could say amen to discipline equals freedom, but it's mm -hmm. because I'm a disciple of Christ. And he talks yeah. about self-control in the book and self-control being one of the fruits of the spirit. Um, you know, and I do, I do think that there is something there maybe that, like you said, might need to be fleshed out more um, in, a, in another book, another work, or just, you know, more, more ponderings. But I just found it very, like this, the, the one sentence, discipline equals freedom. I found that to be a very profound sentence, probably more profound than they intended it to be, because I'm trying to connect that, like, does that make sense from a biblical worldview? Is that true? That discipline equals freedom. And I think in some sense it, it is, spiritually speaking. Mm. I don't know. Um, anyways, those are my last thoughts there, Dylan. But uh, um, anything else you want to add about leadership before we close out leadership in general? <laughs> well, I mean, I like what you were saying earlier that, you know, the, you know, leader par excellence was Christ. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, and he sets the bar so high, way <laughs> higher than the authors of this book set it. And, you know, knowing that we know, like, as, as leaders, we are going to fall short. Mm -hmm. um, but praise the Lord that, you know, when, when we fall short as leaders, we have an advocate with the father and to that, and to that extent, it's like, Hey, continue to pursue sanctification, Christ likeness, and the, whatever leadership skills we're able to take from this book to whatever extent this book is offering leadership advice and skills and i have profited from it mm -hmm. is still at the end of the day borrowed capital from mm -hmm. what christ puts forth in yeah. and and what's put forth in the word so i would say you know continue to pursue that kind of christ-like servant leadership and you know this book is one tool that can be among many that helps to nurture that same journey you know yeah. uh, that we are on as leaders as we continue to grow and develop and mature which yeah. um you know is a, is really going to be an eternal exercise and i'm looking forward to it yeah i think yeah one summary that i was thinking about as as you were as you were talking was uh first corinthians 11 one one passage there where i think paul puts it well i mean he puts it perfectly he says be imitators of me as i'm as i imitate christ yeah, like, like that's leadership. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's leadership, right? Yeah. Like, 
Christ yes, is the good. ultimate leader. So follow me as I follow Christ. Amen, brother. That's, that's a good word. That's how Christians can be leaders. Follow Christ. Mm -hmm. And then people will follow you as you follow Christ. Like that's, that's it, man. <laughs> that's a good word. Amen. Good connection. Yeah. I think. Um, well, anyways, uh, you know, it was a shorter episode tonight, but uh, a fun episode. I mean, we haven't really looked at um, non-Christian books before because, I mean, it's two guys in the Bible, right? Like the whole goal was to look at the Bible. But um, I hope that, you know, listeners, uh, that you will think about like, and maybe we could have a future podcast on how to read non-Christian or even, or even Christian writings. Uh, with discernment in light of scripture, you know, we gave a few mm. examples how we do that with this non-Christian book, you know, finding the truth and maybe being a little cautious about stretches or, or uh, unbiblical assumptions that the authors might, might bring into the book. Cause, um, but even Christian writers aren't perfect in what they write. So mm. you have to still use discernment uh, for them uh, there. Cause at the end of the day, the, the final canon or measuring stick is obviously God's word. So, um, but you know, anyways, uh, I hope that, that those of you listening found this to be useful, helpful. Uh, I would encourage you to read, read this book, uh, extreme ownership, uh, glean from it, what you can, uh, in accordance with God's word. Um, but at the end of the day, follow Christ. Um, and that will set you on the path towards genuine leadership. Um, so, uh, until next time though, uh, take care, uh, uh, all of you out there. And Dylan, you take care as as well, brother. All right. Thanks, brother. And y'all listeners, uh, stay safe. Take care. God bless. All right. God bless. God bless.